are my friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast. Have a great episode for you today. We're trying to grow our practices, a four-step method to make sure what you're doing is going to work and is worthwhile. We have a little office talk, hiring, not fun, and then closing out of the episode. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the ultimate OD podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. And before we start, a word from our sponsor. All right, my fellow optometrists, each day the average American spends over two hours on social media and is eligible to see over 6,000 posts. Many of those people are your patients and potential patients. How can you possibly get heard through that noise? Well, the answer is by consistently posting good and relevant content, but coming up with content is hard. Let me introduce you to Social Jazz. They've built an automated social media content platform. They do all the hard work of coming up with eye care specific ideas, designing the images, writing the captions, researching the hashtags, and scheduling your post for an entire year. They also automatically brand and publish posts for you. You have to check them out. Social Jazz is offering my listeners a free 14-day trial plus 20% off the monthly subscription for your first two months. Sign up at socialjazz.com slash ultimate OD. That's socialjazz.com slash ultimate OD. Let them know we sent you and put your social media on autopilot. All right, my friends, the ultimate OD podcast. Great episode for you today. Uh, before we get going, I just want to say thank you to everyone reaching out on Facebook, Instagram. I mean, we're, we're getting a lot of follows, a lot of likes. Send us emails. Let us know what you want to hear, what we can improve for you. Tell us how this podcast is affecting your practices, how you're growing and things are good. One of the things I want to talk about in the next few weeks is growing your office, uh, evaluating staff, hiring, and then also like how do you promote your office? Okay, these are things that are going to be coming up in the coming weeks, but today we're going to talk about principles of growing your office, okay? And when we talk about the principles of growing your office, it comes down to essentially four things to start off, okay? Number one, what is the pain, okay? How bad does it hurt? What is the problem that you are solving, okay? You know, from an optometry standpoint, from our perspective, uh, I gave a loose list of, you know, uh, vision, okay? We're solving the vision problems. Could it be dry eye, disease? Uh, Are you solving the problem of location? Like we're opening up an office or we have an office that's closer to this population. So you'll come and see me. We're a closer commute. Hours. We have more convenient hours. That's the problem. Or price. These are things that we'll get into and we'll evaluate a little bit more. But what is the problem that you're solving? So when you open up your office, keep that in mind. What is the pain, right? Next thing is, obviously, you'll offer solution. Does the market you're intending to go after have the purchasing power? Can they afford to solve their problem? Okay, this will come down to a intrinsic motivation of the consumer, of the nature of the problem that you're solving, but will they pay and how much? All right, think about this um, with your car. If you see a light comes on that comes on, you know, is that a big light? Is it a bad light? Or are you going to ignore it? 
when you're uh, having issues if you own a house. They are money pits. Things break and you just cover it up or we're going to deal with a hole in the wall for a little bit longer. Not something that we're going to fix right now. Your driveway is falling apart. It's cracked. Are you going to get it repaved? I don't know. Do you have kids that are tripping and hurting themselves on their bikes? Yeah, bigger problem, right? So what is the pain? What is the problem essentially? And do they have the money to solve it? All right. So those are two big things that you want to think about. Next thing is ease of access. So if you're going to have, uh, say, we'll, we'll take the driveway and, you know, thing. If you have a business where you put on blacktop, right? Are you living in a place that has a bunch of dirt roads, houses in the country? Are you in a, uh, subdivision galore where there's all kinds of houses, all kinds of driveways, right? What kind of market, how easily can you find your patients? How easily can you find the customer, right? So you have the pain, figure out what that is. Can they afford to solve their problem? So that's something you have to figure out. Like, I don't care how bad the problem is. If they can't afford it, what is serves no purpose, right? And then how easily can you find these patients? If there's only one patient per like every uh, thousand that come in, is it really worth it? No, right? So you, how easily can you find these people? And then what is the market trends? You know, where's the market trending? Is it growing? Case in point, like uh, scleral lenses and myopia management seems to be a growing thing. Um, with the baby boomer population, disease seems like a good growing market. Blue light filters, presbyopia management, all these things, where is the market going? All right, so these are four key simple things that you should look at with your practice. We'll get into them a little deeper, but what is the pain? What is the problem and how are you going to solve it? Can they afford to solve their problem? How easily can you find these patients, customers, whatever you want to call them? And then is this a dying trend? Are you Blockbuster or are you Netflix? Are you Amazon selling books that's now going to warp into selling everything known to man? I don't know, right? You got to know what the market is and what the trend is. And you have to have a vision to see where it's going. All right. We've talked about that a lot on previous episodes. I kind of give you my my feel on like scleral lenses, how I like myopia management, just how things are trending, certain things you want to stay away from and whatnot, but that comes down to you and your, your personal area, okay? So we, we've laid those things out. Let's get a little deeper. So what do you do now? The next thing you need to do is experiment with your business model, all right? This is one of the keys to having a successful business especially a startup or even if you have an established practice, you have the ability to experiment. You know, if you want to keep things the same, then things are going to have to change, right? You're going to have to keep evolving. You're going to have to keep getting better, right? Seems counterintuitive. I don't want anything to change. I like how, where I'm at, my market share, etc. Well, then you better get evolving and adapting because if you stay and don't do anything, they're going to leave you behind. Okay. So, Let's think about how valuable the problem is that you're solving. Number one, think outside the box. When it comes to vision, there's a lot of things that you can do that will set you apart, right? It's not simply, hey, I can get you glasses. Like, oh, you work in a, as a mechanic. Have you ever heard of something called a double D seg? So it's a flat top uh, 28 on the top and bottom of the lens. Right? Mechanics, they look up all day and they need something to look up there. So a double D seg. Oh, no one's ever mentioned that to me. 
do you talk to patients about wearing glasses over monovision contacts? Right? I talk about this all the time to my patients. They're like, no one's ever even mentioned monovision, let alone glasses that I can have that make me binocular when I'm driving. Or glasses I can wear when I'm on the computer that take my monovision and make me binocular. Right? Little, simple, easy things like that that we know about. Don't assume your patients or customers know about them. But think outside the box and you know what? They might say, that's a really big problem. That's something where I like it. And then you start bringing up more and more and you're on to something. All right. Contact lenses in general. You know, most people don't realize that you can get daily contacts, even though you can't read with them. If you're a presbyope, you can wear them for playing sports. You can wear them for this and that. They're very convenient. Buy a 30 pack last year a year. But now you get the contact lens eval. You get a patient that thinks you actually have answers that no one else has talked to him about. And you know what? You're building a practice. So think outside the box, experiment, try things out, see how people respond. And when I was doing this, like for example, uh, with myopia management or yeah, ortho K, well, let's get away from myopia management, orthokeratology. I thought orthokeratology, people would love it. Hey, you don't have to wear glasses at all during the day. No contacts. You sleep in a contact lens retainer, right? Or a ortho K lens, whatever you want to call it. And talk to a bunch of people. Everyone was, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd love that. And then guess what? Uh, when they saw the price of it, no one wanted it. That wasn't that big of a problem. You know what? I wear contacts every day. Don't really feel them. Don't want that. Uh, my market, my access to these people uh, was very limited on the people that actually wanted to do it. Right? And then also you got to realize that I, I'm in a college town where I have a lot of families, so a lot of parents, kids. And you know what they don't do? Sleep, right? If you need six to eight hours of consistent sleep to do ortho-K, do you have a great market? No, no, you do not. So as I went through, I'm like, this is a huge problem. People hate glasses. They hate contacts. They don't want to pay for LASIK. We can get this contact lens solution. And then their purchasing power. Can they afford to pay for it? No, dead in the water. If I would have done this initially and looked at that more closely, or actually I kind of did, I played with it, but I did put a little more money into it than I probably should have before I really experimented with the, you know, will they pay for it, right? Now, on the other hand, scleral lenses, same thing. Talk to um, a lot of patients that were dropping out of contacts or had a lot of astigmatism would or had severe dry eye. You know, would you like something that could help with that? And they're like, yes. And then we went over cost. You know what? They were on the fence, but I showed them the product. They got to test it and see it. And you know what? They would pay whatever it took to get it again. So I had the problem. They were willing to pay for it. The problem that I'm running into now is how do I find these patients? Right? Where do I get them? And that's where I'm experimenting with things and throwing things out on mud onto the wall. You know, talking to other doctors. I tried marketing a lot of different places online. Uh, tried LinkedIn, talking to other doctors. Didn't really work. Tried Facebook. Tried um, all kinds of uh, targeting just the patients. Really hard to get these. Talking to corneal specialists, good. But again, it's not like they're just pouring into my doors. I get, I get about two a month. That's awesome. But they're not just an abundance of these patients. So great profit. They're willing to pay. I'm solving a huge problem, but I don't have a lot of patience. All right. I do think the market's trending upwards. It's growing. 
So I'm still putting time and effort and energy into it, but that ease of access. So this isn't the million dollar idea, the thing that's going to revolutionize your practice. Okay. So I kind of gave you an example of two things that I did right there and you dive into your niches, you know, dry eye, disease, ocular disease. Remember, if you're a young practice and you're starting cold, your practice usually ages with you. Okay. That means you're going to get a lot of young, healthy patients. Do you think it behooves you to buy the visual field and OCT right when you start? Probably not your best two first investments, but you can get there, you can grow it, you can eventually get to that point because, hey, that's a big problem. Insurance covers it, helps them pay for a lot of things. There's going to be a ton of patients as you get to a certain point in your career where they're going to want to come to you. And it, it's a growing thing with the baby boomers. So it fits all their criteria, but what's your timeline? Do you have enough runway to get there, right? And part of that runway is, are you committed to putting your time, effort, and energy into it. Because a lot of times we think it's really cool, we hit a little road bump or two, and the next thing you know, we're done with it. We out, we're out, we want the next latest, greatest thing. Okay? So play with it. See the different avenues you can go and think this through. Remember, this does not have to be a big thing. Okay? Exam price. All right? That's something that you are providing vision care for the masses, right? Do you ever consider that what you price your exam for is how people perceive the value of you as a doctor? Like, for example, when I first started out, I thought I was just going to solve the problem and undercut everyone. I was going to have the lowest exam possible. And I had $59 exams. I'm like, I'll get them in. I'll give them such a great experience. And they're never going to want to go anywhere else. And the problem with that is the market that was willing to pay for that was the people that were price shopping, that were really, didn't care about me as a doctor. They just wanted the cheapest exam. They didn't care how great my care was. They wanted the cheapest exam. Well, that wasn't really the market I was looking for. And as I became a parent, I'm looking at places to go for my kids. And I'd call up three, four, for a dentist. I'd call up three, four, you know, five offices. And I got the lowest and the highest. The lowest two, I throw those out right away. Uh, where My kids deserve better than that. All right, number one. So that left me with the highest three. You know, you look at the highest one and you're like, you know, I love my kids, but these other two are going to be okay. So if you position yourself in a certain way, you know what I mean? You're actually going to get a better quality patient. You're going to make more money and your value is going to be perceived as being better just because you charged a little more, right? You can do that for glasses and frames. Price things higher, see if they sell. If they don't, you can always then... You know, take your frames that you said, I'm going to put these at uh, $300, you know, and if they're not selling, you mark them up from $250, they are on special now for $250. So you've taken a frame, now you've put it up there and it looks like it's more valuable because it costs more and if people don't see the value in it, you now can reduce the price. So those people looking for bargains, they could have got the three, they can get the $300 frame for $250 and you're selling at your original markup. Right? See how this goes, how this plays? You need to find out what their problem is, what they're looking for. Will they pay for it? And then play with your business model. Right? Put different prices out there. Put different ways of presenting it. How you merchandise your products. Like if you put them in certain areas, do they tend to sell more? Where do you put your sunglasses? Do you disperse those amongst your regular frames so they're always looking at it? Or do you have a specific sunglass area? 
right? This is the beauty of private practice, but this is how you grow things, right? You have to switch things up, see what sells, what gets traction, what do people like, and what do they value. The more you do this, the uh, the better off you're going to be. Now, moving back to the next step is we experiment with our model, put them in different spots. The next thing is you have to find out if they're capable of paying for things, all right? So part of this is knowing what the problem is. For example, if you look at kids and teeth, parents pay arms, legs, taking second mortgages out on their houses to get their kids braces, right? I naively thought that parents will pay anything for their kids. They just want them to be better, right? Well, so I'm like, myopia management is our dental moment, right? This is our chance to have braces and retainers, right? Well, the problem is the perceived pain that you are solving the problem the parents don't get it. The perceived pain that I thought of, you know, having your kids become more nearsighted is there. That's where they're bringing in for the exam. But the solution of myopia management wasn't what the slu- the solution that the parents saw, right? They're like, well, we can solve this problem with glasses or contacts. And then they see and if the prescription changes, we just up their prescription, right? Period. So there was a disconnect from what the problem was and what they valued as a solution, right? That's something that you have to think about with your audiences. What is the problem and do they do they value enough to pay for it? And that's, that's a problem I ran into with myopia management. Now, let's use a simpler solution like an optical. People want sunglasses. They hate having a second pair, right? They never have when they want it. So then there's transitions. Now I know I don't care how you feel about transitions, but the person that loves transitions will do whatever they can to get them. Period. Right? Those people absolutely love them. Now people that hate them aren't going to touch them with a 10-foot pole. Okay? But the people that love them are going to get them no matter what. They come in and do that. But why don't you raise that price of transitions to be like $50 more than what you think it should be? right? Know why? Because those patients are going to pay for it no matter what. Now, if they don't buy it, if you're not selling it, lower the price down. But these are things that you can play with and find out how important is this problem that you're solving. And the problems that are important is what you need to market or steer your business towards to be more profitable. Again, you're never trying to get over on a patient. You're never taking advantage of them. But to make yourself as successful as possible, don't put a lot of money into something that's not going to help you. For example, I don't see a lot of disease patients. So when I first started putting all that money into like the interior segment camera, the OCT, and the visual field just didn't make sense. Like I'd go to a trade show and they'd say, how many glaucoma patients do you see a, a day, a, a, a month? And I'm like, two? And then they do their math and they're like, it's going to take you a long time to get your ROI on this. But if you were seeing seven a week, this is going to pay itself off in two years. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm seeing two a month. And they're like, yeah, probably probably not for you. So same thing that they're doing, you know, trying to sell you. You got to sell the, the patients on. What is it that they need? Do you have a big abundance of that, uh, of that population? And then 
go after it, man. Go go dive in, get deep. Okay. So that's what I have. The last bit of advice with that is whatever you do does not have to be permanent. The beauty of what we do as optometrists, we see a patient once a year. All right. So every time you say you have you do this for a two month period, you have two months where your office might have went backwards a little bit. Go right back to where you were, and the next 10 months, no one knew any different. Everything's the same, and then you kind of go from there. We have the ability to adapt and adjust constantly, all right? The proof is in the pudding. I'd always give everything about a 60 to 90-day window, test it out, track it, all right? You got to you gotta track it. If you don't measure it, then you don't know if it's working and what's going on. Track it, and then if it works... Do more of it. If it doesn't, go back to where you were. Throw mud on the wall, find a new solution, and go from there. So that's how you grow your business. That's how when you're looking to make changes or whatnot, you can do it strategically to try to be uh, the most efficient and effective way possible. Tune in. We'll have more for you next week. All right, my friends, a little office talk. So I'm hiring. Hiring is awful. I just want to have misery loves company. Let me explain some of the things that are going on right now. So we are using ZipRecruiter. I think that's a good, uh, good site. It's been helpful. I get a lot of, I don't know. I just think it's better than anything else out there right now. Hits a lot of different platforms. Problem is 75% of the applicants are not employable. (laughs) They're just, no, can't do it. And then that leaves us with 25% that are, you know, okay at least worth a phone interview. So when we try to connect with the 25%, believe it or not, we call them, leave a voicemail, and we send them an email. I say about 75% of those people don't respond and don't answer. I don't know how they're applying or why they're even applying, but they put it out there. We try to connect with them and nothing happens. So it's been a slow process. We've been at it for about a month. Thankfully, we've uh, found a person made a hire. Um, I'll let you know, though, that we found her. She was a diamond in the rough, and we hired, we offered her the the day of the interview. Like, that's, that's how rough it is out there. She was a good person. She had previous experience in the eye care office and wanted, like, our office made sense. We offered her that day. She accepted the next day, and we were pumped. But mind you, out of a month, we've gotten, I think, 100 views, probably about 40 applicants, and we've interviewed two people in person. We've done about maybe 10 to 15 phone interviews. We've interviewed two in person. Now, we've scheduled about seven in-person interviews, but everyone kept getting offers from other places or not showing. So that was amazing. But that's the nature of uh, hiring right now. What do you take away from this? What are my, uh, why am I telling you this? One, because I want to vent and you're going through it too and I know it sucks. But two, look at every single one of your employees that work for you right now. If they were to leave, how hard would it be to replace them? And I'm telling you right now, incredibly. Your staff right now is trained. They show up. They work. Even the ones that aren't showing up on time, they know how to do the job. You don't have to train them right? These things matter. Like we're hiring someone new and it's going to take us about 60 days to get her functional. Like it's a modicum of uh, usefulness, right? 
So just look at your people and know who's there for the long term and do everything you can to make their life better. Like talk to them. Do you like your hours? Are you happy? How can I make this better for you? And do everything you can to keep them. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm I'm getting rid of the people that don't want to be there and I am investing as much as I can into the people that want to be there. I want them to be here. Let's let's make this work. If you're leaving, it's not because of the job or because of something I'm doing. It's you just it's not your season anymore. So take that for what it's worth. And uh, we'll have more for you next week. Where, oh, where has the time gone? Or to the closing thought of the episode. And today I'm going to leave you on a more positive note. And this is good for each and every one of us to reflect. So when you look around your life, you know, look at your house, your job, your degree, your significant other, the car you drive, and think back 5, 10, 15 years ago and think about the days that you dreamt of having everything you have right now. Really cool to think about, isn't it? How far you've come, the things that we never thought would be a reality have come to fruition. And with that, think about where you're going to be in the next 10 to 15 years when you get everything that you're dreaming about now and it's yours. Point of that is dream big because you don't want to look back in 10 years from now and be like, man, I could have gotten a lot more had I just went after it. And that's usually how it goes. So aim big, you'll end up better. That's what I got. Dr. Lily out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.